Hi, my name is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to share easy to understand, evidence-based, holistic insights to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about what are the most effectual strategies that you can employ to repay your home loan faster. And that is a goal that most people have. You know, ultimately, they would like to own their own home that is debt-free. And particularly, that should be a goal to achieve before you enter into retirement, if possible. Now, last year, I recorded an episode where I talked about what is the priority? Should you be really solely focused on repaying your home loan or should you be investing or maybe doing both those things? And I recorded episode in August last year and I posed three questions. Do you have a sufficient financial buffer? Will you be able to reduce significantly before you retire? So repay your home loan before you retire. And how sensitive is your cash flow to interest rate changes? That there were kind of the three questions, but if you go back and have a listen to that episode, the link is in the show notes as always, and that'll give you a good sense of whether in fact it is a priority for you. Now, if it is a priority, you really want to know how to do that. You know, what are the strategies that you can employ to ensure that you repay your home loan as fast as possible? Now, if you do a short Google, you'll come up with a myriad of ideas and I've read and seen most of them. Unfortunately, a lot of these ideas are kind of rats and mice stuff. You know, that there's things that you can do at the fringes that may help you save a little bit of interest, but they're not that impactful. The reality is there's only three to four things that the average person can do to repay their home loan. And that's what I want to focus on in this episode. What are those things and how do you do those things really well? Okay, so the first step is minimize the cost of debt, which is really comes down to interest rate and fees tend to be fixed these days in terms of the fees that banks charge, that banks will really do around the ongoing fee aspect to a mortgage. So therefore, it's really about the interest rate. And don't ever feel like you need to be loyal to your bank because they're certainly not loyal to you. And I can demonstrate that with evidence, of course, you know, the RBA tracks what borrowers are paying their banks and what new borrowers are paying their banks. And the new borrower rate is always lower than the existing borrower rate, which means that your bank is actively out there offering better deals to attract new customers. And as a consequence of that, their existing customers are paying a higher interest rate. So there's a bit of a loyalty tax that you pay if you don't really shop your mortgage around. Now, we've got to be realistic here. We don't need to agonize over you know, a one basis point difference in interest rate. So that is 0.01 of a percent. Really, 0.01 of a percent translates into $50 a year for every half a million dollars you borrow. So it's not about making sure that you absolutely minimize every single little interest rate that you have. It's really about making sure that you're not getting ripped off, that you're not paying half a percent more than what your current bank would offer. New borrowers or the bank next door is offering you know, you want to make sure that your debt is competitive, plus or minus a, a couple of basis points, unless you have millions and millions of dollars, of course, then a relatively small difference in interest rate can have a bigger impact. So it's important to understand what impacts your interest rate discounts. And at the moment, there's a lot of things that the bank will take into account when considering what interest rate discount they will offer you as an existing borrower. So I'll just reel off some of these factors in no particular order. The first one is individual loan amounts. 
So if you have uh, one loan for a million dollars versus 10 loans for $100,000, same total lending amount, but they're all split into different accounts. The person that has a lot of accounts is going to attract a lower discount. Total lending comes into it. And I know that sort of contradicts what I just said, but it's true if you had four half a million dollar mortgages, $2 million in total, you're probably going to get more than someone that has you know, a high discount that someone has only half a million dollars. Loan to value ratio. The target here is to maximize your interest rate discount. You've got to keep your LVR below 70% or sometimes 65 somewhere around that mark that's going to minimize your interest rate which means that if you have a 50% LVR or 30% LVR is probably not going to impact your interest rate very much repayment type so whether you're repaying interest only or principal interest and of course whether it's a home loan or investment loan they're the main criteria that the bank will look at that will dictate your interest rate discount so there's a few things you can do to kind of leverage these factors if you like the first one is request your bank or mortgage broker to revalue your property so that you're able to reset your LVR, loan to value ratio. Now, you may or may not want to do that depending on what the valuation comes back at, of course. So if you're dealing with a mortgage broker, you know, they can kind of rip up the valuation if it's not going to help us. But revaluing property to demonstrate that your portfolio is at a low LVR will help you get a higher interest rate possibly consolidate mortgage accounts. Now, of course, you've got to keep debt related to different assets in separate accounts. So I'm not saying combine all your mortgages into one. But for example, if you have two loans that relate to one investment property, for example, maybe look at considering consolidating those two loans into one. Switching from interest only to principal interest will certainly help reduce your interest rate. So for example, if you have a property that produces a strong cash flow and you feel like you're in a position where you can afford to make principal interest repayments and you know boots your strategy, then that might be something you want to think about. And then approaching banks during heightened periods, you know, where they're really focused on customer retention. So sometimes banks will go through periods where they're really aggressive to retain business, other times not so aggressive. And it's not something you're really going to know about but of course a really great mortgage broker will know the lie of the land in terms of interest rate discounts and who's the most aggressive in the market at that particular time and sometimes striking while the iron's hot can lock in a higher interest rate discount you can do all this work yourself of course and i know i've got a vested interest in saying this but really why would you want to do all this work yourself of course building a relationship with a great mortgage broker will help you minimise the cost of the debt. And of course, a mortgage broker doesn't really care which bank you're with. They only care that you continue to have your business through them. There's no vested interest for them to talk you into staying with a bank. In fact, if anything, they'll probably earn a higher commission if you do switch. And remember, your existing bank is probably never going to ring you up and offer you a higher interest rate discount, whereas uh, mortgage brokers do that all the time. Okay, so the second strategy is a really around your mortgage structure and your cash flow management. Let's call it offset, repayments, and cash flow management. Those three things, if we group them together. So the first one is have an offset account. It's a no-brainer. Once you establish an offset account, it doesn't matter how often you make loan repayments, whether they're weekly, fortnightly, or monthly, it becomes inconsequential because as soon as those monies are in your offset account, they're saving you interest and therefore reducing your interest bill and helping you repay your home loan quicker. Remember, there used to be this old rule that people should elect to pay fortnightly instead of monthly. 
because a lot of banks just halve the monthly repayment and charge that. But of course, there's 26 fortnights in a year, which really means you make 13 monthly repayments. I hope I haven't lost you there. Now, some banks still calculate fortnightly repayments in that manner. However, many banks now take an alternative approach, which is really add up the annual repayments and divided by 26 fortnights, which means it doesn't really matter if you repay monthly or fortnightly. My point is that if you have an offset account attached and that offset account is going to save you interest at the moment any money hits that account, it doesn't matter how often you repay. It's the offset account that matters. The second element to this is repay as much as possible, as fast as possible. And unfortunately, there's no magic bullet here. It's really about accumulating as much cash savings as possible and putting them into your home loan or leaving them into your offset doesn't really matter. And it's really as simple as that. We've got to remember that repayments, extra repayments against a loan provide compounding benefits. So that means that you'll save money this year and next year you'll save money on the amount the extra repayments you made last year and so on and so forth. So for example, if I had a million dollar home loan and I repaid $50,000 as a lump sum when that loan was first taken out, I save over almost $240,000 of interest and repay that loan four years sooner. So that's lump sum repayments. It's a huge saving. Similarly, making extra repayments is also very powerful. So for example, again, that million dollar loan Instead of making the minimum repayments, I repay an extra $500 a fortnight. That will save me over $470,000 in interest and repay the loan nine years faster. So we can't underestimate the amount of cash that we can put into our home loan or into our offset account can have a huge financial impact in the long run. So how do you do that? Well, it's simple. You start by monitoring your discretionary spending either on a weekly, fortnightly or monthly basis. You don't need to monitor each individual item. That could be you know, hundreds of items, of course. That feels tedious. You just really need to track it at an aggregate level, a total level. And if we don't track discretionary spending, what happens is we it tends to bleed. It will just naturally trend higher and higher, but you won't actually feel any impact or improvement on your standard of living. And to me, that's a waste. If I'm spending money and I'm not getting any enjoyment from it, to me, that's a bit of a waste of an expense. So therefore, what we need to do is we need to set a conscious cap to our discretionary expenditure and then have a way of tracking that. The best way to track it is to use two separate bank accounts, one bank account for all non-discretionary expenses, all the boring stuff, mortgage repayments, school fees, insurance, bills, those sorts of things. They're the sort of things that you can't really overspend on. They are what they are. And then the second account is for all your discretionary spending. So that's really you know, going supermarket shopping, eating out, clothing, travel, these sorts of things. These are the things that we can either spend $1 on this week or $100 or $1,000 or whatever it might be. And by separating them into one account, what you can do then is track on a monthly basis or a fortnightly basis, you know, how much have you spent on that fortnight and you can easily course correct. So if you feel like, okay, we've had a couple of weeks where we've spent a lot of money, we need to kind of wind it back. And you'll, you'll naturally do that. It won't feel like, you know, you're putting yourself on a financial diet or something like that. It won't be a painful exercise. It'll be something that you'll get actually feel quite empowered by because then you're able to sort of track exactly what you're doing. And the goal is 
to try and get the highest bang for buck. The goal is to make sure that all your spending is actually improving your standard living. You're getting a lot of enjoyment from it and avoid any of that wastage, the stuff that doesn't actually impact your standard living. Now, there's more details. There's a link in the blog that you can follow that sort of walks you through, in fact, how to set up your accounts and what expenses to pay from which account. But that's the secret to repaying your home loan. The goal isn't necessarily to reduce your spending to as low as possible. You know, we've got to enjoy life as we go through it. It's really about just eliminating that wastage. Okay, the third strategy is to have a plan B. So we know the first one, first to minimize the cost of debt and then get as much cash flow into that home loan as soon as possible by having really good cash flow management strategies in place, which is that two account system that I just spoke about. The third element is to have a plan B. What we want to do is make sure that if that doesn't work out, you know, we can minimize the cost of debt, but if we don't end up having as much surplus cash flow as we might expect we want to have, what else can we do to repay our home loan? That is really your plan B strategy, and you really should have one in place, particularly if you have a high level of non-tax deductible debt. If, if your home loan's pretty much paid off or it's very small relative to your income, it's probably not necessary to have a plan B. Okay, so what does that plan B look like? Well, it could be downsizing your home in the future. Now, you've got to be really careful with this downsizing strategy because a lot of people like to stay in the same area. They might compromise in terms of accommodation size, but finish, they tend to want to maintain or improve that finish. And so what it could mean is selling a family home in a particular suburb and buying a relatively new townhouse in that suburb. And in that situation, you know, you certainly might end up spending less, but you might not pull out as much equity as you might expect. And so a downsizing strategy could mean if you do have a large amount of debt, compromising on the location in which you ultimately live in in retirement. And that's such something you need to really think carefully about, in fact, whether that's a compromise you're willing to make. Another example is, in fact, borrowing more. And I know that sounds counterintuitive, but for example, if I had a client with a really big home loan, the plan was to use cash flow to repay it, but we wanted a plan B, of course, I might suggest to that client, let's go out and buy an investment property. And let's plan to hold that investment property for 20 plus years. And if we get to a point where our cash flow hasn't been enough to repay our home loan, well, we can go and sell that investment property. Sure, we'll pay a little bit of CGT in order to do that, but what the result will be, we'll have a large amount of cash and we can use that large amount of cash to actually repay your home loan. Now, you wouldn't want to do that if you need to repay your home loan in 10 years or less. But the longer you have, the more chance you're going to benefit from that compounding capital growth. And that's a good exit strategy. The worst case is that, you know, in fact, your cash flow is enough and you just end up with that investment property and that's just surplus assets. And another final example I can share with you is drawing money from super. So your strategy, in fact, might involve uh, using concessional contributions, which are tax effective, to put more money into super. You can then invest it in that environment, which again is very tax effective. You're only paying 15% on any investment income and 10% on any capital gains during that period of time. And potentially if you hold those investments through to retirement, no tax at all. And then with the idea to withdraw that. So you might be purposely parking money into super because it's tax effective and then withdrawing it later on to repay debt. 
Now, you want to be careful there because you're still going to manage the interest cost and the compounding interest cost associated with that. But withdrawing money from super could be a reasonable plan B. But it really depends on your situation. There could be really several strategies that you might want to consider in that regard. And the final strategy worth mentioning is if you're self-employed, it's advisable to speak to your holistic accountant about exploring potential ways to structure your business and tax payments that hopefully improves your cash flow and therefore improves your ability to repay your home loan at a faster rate. Now, not everyone might be able to do this, but we've done it many times for many clients and it's certainly helped them reduce their non-tax deductible debt, their home loan debt at a much faster rate and also help them save a little bit more tax. So this is yet another example really how that holistic approach with respect to tax advice can really harness a lot of value for clients, assuming that the accountant has the appropriate licenses and team resources to be able to provide that advice. But that's not for everyone, self-employed, depending on your structure, have a chat to your holistic accountant about that one. Okay, so just to sum up, whilst you might Google some articles, they might have 25 ways to repay your home loan quick, faster. Most of them are going to be make very, very small improvements. The reality is there is only really two or three ways. Reduce the cost of debt. Secondly, get as much cash flow into that home loan as fast as possible, especially using an offset account. Uh, make sure you have a plan B just in case cash flow isn't effective enough. And finally, if you're self-employed, speak to your accountant. Maybe there's something else you can do. Apart from that, all the other stuff isn't really worth listening to. And it's really those two or three strategies that are going to be the most impactful. Okay, thanks for listening. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with anyone that also might enjoy listening to it. And until next week, bye for now.